0: Thank you welcome to Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight. We are the retro talk program for nostalgia and baby boomer stuff here on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. And I'm George. And we welcome you to our program. This is our uh, first program that we're doing in the year 2016, so we're very happy to uh, have all of you with us. And uh, we're going to get started just with a real quick mention. Uh, Mike, this is our sixth anniversary of doing Galaxy. We've been at it for six years.
1: Six years, and how time has flown by, Smitty. Every episode's been a joy to produce, but we look back at them. I look at them as our kids, and we have over, uh, with over 180 children, you would think we would look much older.
0: (laughs) That's right, but we don't. We still uh, manage to maintain our uh, our youthful looks, let's put it that way. And and we remember each and every one of our 180-plus kids, and uh, so we're very happy to be here on our sixth anniversary, and uh, our good buddy George is here with us. And, George, uh, we're so pleased that, that you join us, and you're part of, uh, part of the Galaxy family, and uh, we always look forward to having you with us on our shows.
2: What a great joy it has been and continues to be, and, and what I think is so amazing, Gilbert, I believe you and I have talked about this before, Yeah was that uh, when we were introduced to each other, mm-hmm. that it turned out that your dear friend turned out to be my godbrother, Christy Limbessis. Exactly. And so we found out we shared so much more than just a common interest uh, in, in, you know, in the subject of radio and nostalgia, but a great deal more, and what a great joy again and blessings to be a part of this wonderful family.
1: You know, while we're at it, let's go ahead and thank all the listeners, those who have grown as the network has grown. But we have learned so much from our listeners. And with the listener, the shared input coming back, we've got some great... Folks who should probably be paid as contributing producers, but first, maybe it'd be good if you and I got paid, Smitty. It might be. Yes, uh, <laughs> as as we pass the KFC bucket for like in church yes, for the collection. Yes. But thank you so much, listeners. We've got some key Galaxy good guys and good gals that contribute greatly to the show, not only with ideas, but in feedback and in 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 debate and comments between themselves since we put the Facebook page up, what, about two years ago? Yeah, thereabouts, yeah. It's becoming the community that Facebook was originally designed to become, and it's just so nice to watch people. And we were talking earlier in pre-production where we see uh, Facebook – uh, our friends actually going back and forth in the comment areas, saying, "Well, no, that was in episode seventy-one, yes, exactly. and no, I think you're referring to the Captain Kangaroo." It almost, it reminds me of something you would overhear at Comic Con, George.
2: Very much so. And what I really have enjoyed is coming to know some of the listeners, and you find out that some listeners. It may have been that you passed each other on the street, or you were in the same theater in the community you grew up in. Uh, We have a a Galaxy listener out there by the name of Peggy. turned out that she and I are contemporaries. We grew up in the same town of Burbank, and we've had a wonderful correspondence in which we have a lot of shared memories about things that, quite frankly, I thought people had completely forgotten. And it's such a, a wonderful experience to know that others share the same feeling, and it's not just nostalgia, there is something that stays with you throughout your whole life, It shaped you as to who you are, and also has an impact on your friends and those close to you.
0: Exactly, George, and uh, we thank all of our listeners, certainly Peggy Borsma is one of our big fans, uh, Susan Fox from Res Radio, uh, gosh, there's so many people, Richard Winder, who communicates with us on Facebook, Dale Harris. Uh, Dale Harris, of course, who who also writes in, and so a lot of neat people that are listening, and I know a lot of you listen, and maybe you haven't written us yet, but we know you're out there, and uh, why don't you drop us a line and let us know you're out there. We love hearing from all of our listeners.
1: You know, and moving forward, too, into the next year, we've done a few things, a little housekeeping, Smitty. Uh, We've just finished up. We've changed, uh, of course, our website, which... (laughs) we do apologize, has not been posted other than the fine work of George with his blog post. Yes, excellent. We haven't really <clears throat> messed with the webpage since about August. However, where before you would go over to com and you could click over to the right column for the five latest shows, well, now you can click a button. It's been replaced with a, a button or link, rather, that will connect you to a feed burner page, which will give the entire menu of every Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight show right there. So you could scroll down, tell your friends, they could pick them. They're all labeled by content. So now you're not just limited to five shows, nor are you limited to having to go to iTunes to find out whenever uh, a show is updated or wherever we put new content up. You can go to this link. You'll see some ch- little chiclets or icons at the top of the FeedBurner page, Yahoo, uh RSS, feed runner, some of the other things. Just click one, and what you will be doing is subscribing to all the the Galaxy shows, all the new shows. So once you click one of those and put in whatever information, every time you open your browser, and if there's a new Galaxy show, you won't have to go look for it. It will be a note at the top of your Internet browser, Chrome or Firefox or even
0: Safari, that will tell you, uh, new Galaxy show, click here. Mike, I have to give you all the credit for that. Mike set that up for us. So, as he just said right now, you have the flexibility of going to our website and accessing any one of our shows from show one to the most recent show. Don't forget also all of our programs are on Mixcloud. They're still on iTunes, so we're opening up more avenues for all of you to be able to listen to all of our shows, and we certainly appreciate your listenership.
1: But, and coming this year will also be uh, your idea about YouTube. We're yes. going to really uh, power up the, our YouTube channel, right? and you will be able to subscribe to the shows on YouTube, even though these will not be video. We're going to have some in-studio uh, live web streaming that will also capture for the shows. That's coming this year. We're going to go out and do some on-location stuff like we did several years ago. Right. We really got going with those and did some great shows. But all that content, and as well as the audio-only shows, will be featured on YouTube. So if you you're on YouTube all the time, you can subscribe to your channel, your YouTube
0: channel, and get all the Galaxy shows moving forward. Absolutely. So stay with us, and uh, you'll see all these things happening. And again, we thank all of you for your six years of listenership, and we continue to move forward, and, and uh, we thank all of you for your listenership and your support. Well, let's get rolling with today's show. You know, uh, a while back we received, well, we did a program where we talked about famous pets from TV and film, and we got some good positive response. We got a nice email from Steve Gilbert who uh, sent us a list of other pets, and things. We thought we'd expand on that a little bit. So we're going to do a little follow-up on that program. And Mike, I'll toss it over to you. You know, famous pets, and of course we think of our four-legged friends, and we think of all, all the little uh, creatures from TV and, the, and film, but it's it's actually a more expansive uh, topic, as we've been discussing.
1: You know, and and moving forward on that thought with, with this subject matter today, folks, uh, that came directly as some feedback. I guess we did a really good job on that one show about the pets, because we yes. got a whole flurry or furry rather a furry, <laughs> a furry flurry of of, res, of response saying hey why didn't you guys do an hour show or why didn't you expand and then we got a lot of input from people who had their favorite pets and they wanted them wanted us to talk about them well there's no way we can do that unless of course we get a monetary endowment
0: oh yes
1: of twelve thousand dollars from every listener. And uh, maybe the, uh, the country of Bulgaria will help finance. But uh, between that time and this time, we're going to kind of keep it limited, not to only our favorites, but we thought we'd expand on that, but in a different way today. Go forward with some of the pets that weren't really pets. They weren't flesh and blood, so to speak. They certainly weren't human-leading characters, and they weren't what we would call warm-blooded animal. Characters and George and Smitty and I are going to talk about some of the uh, lesser known, but I would say more well known. If you grew up as a baby boomer, uh, s- and these are leading ladies and leading leading men, although they were not male or female of the animal human species, uh, they were still as important, if not as important, and just as famous as some of the leading characters that were human beings. So, uh, George, you had a few. Gilbert, we've talked about a few. I wanted to kick out, first of all, Mr. Ed. Because Mr. Ed <laughs> was simply a big white horse where you had a professional voice, that of Mr. Ed, lip-syncing, Mr. Ed, what? he was the star of the show. Tell me it was Wilbert. You're wrong. It was not Wilbert because... If it had have been Wilbur, then the show would have been called Mr. Wilbur, instead of Mr. Wilbur. Wilbur. (laughs) Wilbur. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, you don't have to pay union scale to a white horse. How did they make his lips move when they lip-synced his voice? That was easy. They gave him Kraft, and, you know, if Kraft wants to donate some sponsor money, too. (laughs) But they took Kraft caramels unwrapped him and fed him to Mr. Ed, who in some cases was a Ms. Ed, Edna, just like Lassie. Lassie was sometimes laddie, Yes. but they didn't tell you that and because collies have so much fur it really didn't matter and you, you wouldn't have been able to air it anyway
2: it was a family show keep in mind yes. uh, yeah so yes. true <laughs> and it was not
1: wild kingdoms so you couldn't play you couldn't play the science
2: card no no George no, no. <laughs> oh gosh
1: but here's you here, <laughs> no fun no, here's mr Ed a horse is a a horse is a or horse me. of course of course wha- of course a horse would be a horse. What else could a horse be? He can be a
2: baseball player. He could be. And
1: and George will jump right in, and and he'll ramp up on that one. And he's going to throw a fastball by you on that one, because until pre-production, I forgot about that particular situation that George is going to talk about. But Mr. Ed comes to mind. We're also going to talk about a few others. We're going to talk about... Well, Mr. Ed was just a white horse or uh, several variations of a white horse that had sticky teeth and his lips would move. And you had a union-scale uh, voice guy, and they made a show out of it. Mm-hmm. it was one of the most popular shows in the early 60s. I don't get it. They still run them on MeTV and Antenna TV, And I'll tell you what, I, I'll get the remote and I'll burn out batteries before I'll sit on Mr. Ed for any sit on Mr. Ed. Don't saddle me with any more Mr. Ed episodes. George, Talk, move a little head on Mr. Ed.
2: Well, I have to tell you, my favorite episode of Mr. Ed uh, concerned my favorite team as, in my youth, which was the 1963 Los Angeles Dodgers World Series champions. And there was an episode in which Mr. Ed played an integral role in helping the Dodgers secure that world championship. And what it involved was Mr. Ed, through, of course, Wilbur, acting as a hitting instructor and also a pitching instructor. And I believe the episode ended up featuring Leo DeRocher, Hall of Fame pitcher Sandy Koufax, Johnny Roseboro, Willie Davis, and other stars from that great team of the 1960s. And you ended up actually seeing Mr. Ed do uh, a workout there at Dodger Stadium, hitting a home run off of uh, the great Sandy Koufax. And, of course, uh, the most voluble Leo DeRocher trying to get Mr. Ed as his uh, coach. And it was just an amazing, amazing episode. And I think then later in the series... I believe it might have been in the final year that Mr. Ed was also involved in the world of espionage and spying, if I'm not uh, mistaken in oh. that regard.
0: <laughs>
1: Mr. Ed stomps a commie. Well, that would work today, wouldn't it, folks? But I'll tell you. He enough. had
2: good horse sense.
1: Well, we talked about a TV, a TV leading man. Let's talk about a movie leading man. And you're going to love this one that I come up with because it was not... I don't think. I always believed it was just a very large lizard that somebody painted black, but Godzilla. Raymond Burr, 1956. Oh, my goodness, mm. yes. It was not Raymond Burr that made that movie. It was that big, ugly lizard thing that that blowtorched Tokyo.
2: And, of course, the Japanese pronunciation <laughs> is Gojira.
1: Oh, Gojira. Gojira. interesting. Oh, I always thought that meant no fries. I'll take coleslaw. Yeah, yeah. It could be. Well, oh. well, done. well yeah. done. Well done. Well <laughs> done. Toasted. <laughs> yeah. But remember the monster movies. But the monster was the
2: leading man. Talk. You know. How about King Kong,
1: creature of the Black Lagoon?
2: King Kong gets the girl at the end. Beauty and the Beast. It was an interest. That in fact that that was the theme. I remember uh, that they, King, they said there it was Beauty and the Beast.
1: King Kong was the leading man. Fame. I think King Kong would qualify as a. Maybe not a famous pet, but as a famous leading man, we talked about the duos earlier that we were going to specify R two D two and C three P O yes, from sir.
2: Star Wars.
1: Now tell me they weren't as famous as Paul Newman and, and Robert Redford. They had probably to be. more famous because they they are still talked about. They're still in the movies. Not George. only
2: not only that, my friend, but I will tell you, I was there when their handprints or. I'm not sure what you call it. Their oh, tread yeah. <laughs> prints were put on the Groman's Chinese Theater uh, Walk of Fame. Wow. So they were the ones that had their handprints put on there uh, when the film was released in 1977. And, and that's and,
0: quite a statement because you figure they're, they're inanimate objects, but yet they are immortalized in the concrete at Groman's Chinese.
2: And it reminds us, of course, that they were inspired by other iconic robots, yeah. both on the small screen and the big screen.
0: Robbie.
2: I, I'm thinking about Robbie the Robot. And then later on, his successor on the small screen was the Lost in Space robot, which evolved into a series that I used to call A Boy and His Robot, because it was Bill Mooney and the robot involved in all types of adventures. But that robot was portrayed by two people, Bob May, who was inside the robot costume, and then Dick Tufeld, who was the narrator of Lost in Space, but he also provided the mechanized voice for our famous robot B-9 of Lost in Space.
1: And, you know, you'll probably detect this, folks, as we... Talk a little bit more about this subject. We're not talking about cartoon characters either, because those are magic of the mind. You could create those. We're talking about things that you put in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. That uh, George and Smitty, let's let's. <laughs> I still can't get over this one, but I'm doing more and more research. Jaws, you know the evil creature you did not see until way deep into the movie. You heard an oboe. Da-da. And then, yeah, I'm, you know, I still have the torn leather jacket that my wife ripped apart in the theater seats because she was so terrified and didn't want to go back to the parking lot, didn't want to go home because maybe Jaws was there waiting in the clothes closet, but Jaws was
2: a leading man or thing. Very definitely. Very definitely. And and I think what's interesting about Jaws is that not only a leading man, but then he became a leading theme park attraction. Because Absolutely. Universal Studios in Los Angeles, one of the leading tourist highlights was that you could see the shark from Jaws. In yes. fact, it would jump out of the water as the tram would roll by, and you had an opportunity to literally uh, get close enough to put your hand. But don't put it too close because...
1: Well he'd splash you too, wouldn't he? he Gilbert would... Gilbert got, he got Gilbert got water all over his Bermuda walking shorts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> G- where'd you dream that one up at, Mike?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you would he, he would get you if you were close, it was like SeaWorld and, and they would create a splash or a yeah, wave maker, right. Yeah. And and that would terrify you more because oh, wow, this thing's real. It's coming out of the water, getting to you ready- get me.
2: But, you know, when you think about Universal Studios and the great tour, it, it reminds us also that we can also depart from this linear realm. And we can also and, I, and I, we can uh, talk about what is not seen, but you know is there present. I think you mentioned it earlier, Mike, and that is the voice of God.
1: The voice of God. Now, that's, to me, that's the universal leading man, as we all three believe anyway. Yes. But the voice of God, and we can go on and on throughout the history of of motion pictures, and even TV, where the leading person, you never saw, but it was the voice. Not only was it the voice, it was
2: the voice. Most definitely. I mean, I think about the 1956 classic, The Ten Commandments. Cecil B. DeMille provided the voice of God uh, with the burning bush when he's uh, talking with Moses, and then later when... uh, Giving him the Ten Commandments.
1: The, I guess the voice could be considered an effect, and we're we're not really straying too far off the trail here when we talk about our favorite pets and our favorite things. But how many times have we mimicked George? This is God. Don't go in the locker room quite yet. And when you do that in high school, remember, as a result of the 56 movie, everybody wanted to be the, or you wanted to be John Huston's And
2: then, yeah, 10 years later, (laughs) in 1966, you had the Bible. And I remember that John Huston, who also doubled in the role of Noah, has the conversation with God. You know, where God says, Noah, you must gather all of the animals and construct an ark. Yeah. It's so it's it's kind of funny uh, to think to think about uh, you know how that has a profound impact on your life. You,
0: it it does. Yeah. Well, but let's get back also to talking about some of our sure. some, Yeah, some of our favorite. I know we talked about Lassie. We were talking about Flipper.
1: We're talking about Flipper, uh, Gentle and Ben, and Flipper, Gentle Ben, and when you're a child, uh, those made quite an impact on they you. Do. I, I was a little too old. To really get into the whole Gentleman and Flipper. Well, Flipper, yeah, I wasn't that old. I think I was 11 when Flipper aired on NBC on Saturday nights. That's right. You did not miss an episode of Flipper. And again, folks, uh, as uh, leading our favorite pet, there was so much Flipper T-shirts and Flipper pillows and Flipper waities and, and he even
2: starred on the big screen there were two motion pictures that's uh right. with flipper and, they, the, the, yeah. the, and I think the first one i believe featured chuck connors if i'm not mistaken chuck
1: connors and, and uh with flipper even with with gentle ben with uh clint howard
2: and dennis weaver
1: and dennis, dennis weaver, weaver that's
0: right i remember that
1: they they became family pets did they not Gentle yes. Ben, yes, I believe we, yes. Gentle Ben was on Sunday nights. Flipper was on Saturday nights, right. and that was a big part of your, and they your both weekend.
2: Took, and they both took place in Florida. Well,
1: yes. and, and they were anthologies. They were they were stories. They were stories of the human condition, as solved and as as treated by a dolphin or a a, a bear.
2: And weren't these productions all by Ivan Tours?
1: Ivan Tours. I believe they of, were, Of yeah. Hattari film. Yep. Doctari. Doctari, Doctari. Which,
2: which of course started as Clarence the Cross-Eyed Lion. There yes. we yes. go again. That yes. was the big motion picture. He was the star. That's yes. exactly. And yeah. then that was the genesis for the television series featuring Marshall Thompson in Marshall the leading role. Marshall Thompson, yeah.
0: Now,
1: yeah. even on that thought, George and Smitty, isn't that incredible? And we are a cyclic show. We come full circle. We've moved 50, 50 55 years later, and what was the biggest item in the news last year? Clarence the lion getting shot down in cold blood by this evil dentist, I don't know, in in Waukegan or somewhere, who went on a safari and and blasted Clarence. And all I could think when I saw that story, and I'm not taking a political position, although I could because it's my show or part of it, but the fact is Clarence, wasn't Clarence the cross-eyed on CBS? Wait, not only... Who could have killed Clarence? But did Clarence live that long? The Clarence, I, the Clarence, the cross-eyed lion. Did I know that Clarence? Because that was my little brother's favorite. Mm. Was Clarence? He had a Clarence. He had a Clarence stuffed animal. Oh, I remember, and that's yeah. one of those things where you, little kids, you always have the thing you take all the time yes. when you go to your aunts and uncles. Right. You've got to have. Yeah, he had a Clarence doll.
2: There is something rather poignant about how we bond with the creatures of God's kingdom. I think about, for example, 10 years ago when the great tsunami hit that there was a little baby hippo by the name of Owen that was washed away and uh, was found on uh, a rock near the, the seacoast. And that little baby hippo who had lost its herd and or rather its pod and along with its parents was then taken to a wild preserve in Africa where it ended up being raised and having established a bond with, are you ready for this, a 200-year-old tortoise by the uh-huh. name of M. Zay. And so there's a great book. In fact, I have both copies, uh, editions, but it was about M. Zay and Owen. And they literally became virtual pets for people all over the world In now that we have uh, Internet communication uh, that allowed us to uh, basically have these as virtual pets.
0: And that might be why we remember these pets or these animals from these TVs and movies because we do have a bond, George, as you and I have discussed privately with our pets. Very much I think so. everybody sort of has an emotional, you know, oh, remember Lassie or remember, you know, Morris the Cat or Mr. Ed or whoever. We have an emotional connection with, with animals and with that, pets. And
1: that makes them our favorite pets because right. growing up as baby boomers, we were inspired and, and not only inspired but intrigued. And also, pretty much in our thought, I, I remember we got a cat. And the only reason we got a cat was because Audrey Hepburn had a cat in breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. Known, and the cat's name was Cat. Yes. But the cat in her apartment, oh, this is Cat. We had to get a cat. And you're not going to believe this, listeners, but we named it Cat. <laughs> but people would buy pets based on things they or situational situation, comedies, or or even big movies, they would buy pets based on those. Galapagos, remember the exploration of the Galapagos, the big 500-pound turtles? Sales of turtles just skyrocketed during the 60s when that was big. I remember in science even, in elementary school, The Galapagos turtles of the Galapagos Islands uh, were one of the few species survivors from the atomic bomb testing during whatever. Yes. We went out and got the turtles, and guess what? You go to J.J. Newberry's or S.H. Crest, and they have a whole terrarium full of these little turtles.
2: Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Very much so. And
1: they lived a while. The ones that didn't get away when Mom was cleaning the bowl they lived in (laughs) and crawl under the refrigerator to be found... Twelve years later, when we moved to another house, the Petro... Anyway, that's a Galapagos story for another show. But you would have turtles based on, in that case, the Galapagos, but you would get pets based on TV shows or movies. But even more important, we can touch on very briefly, current events of the time.
2: Don't forget, there was also a pet, or I wouldn't call it a pet, but there was a presence. And it wasn't the voice of God, but it wasn't an animate object like... The robot on Lost in Space, Hal the Computer. Oh, yeah. On 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yes. Uh,
1: an- another, ad- another top name of a, of a blockbuster movie that you never, ever saw.
2: No, but you, you heard. heard. But you heard the voice and how cryptic it was.
1: But did it leave magic in your mind, George, about what Hal or who Hal or. I wonder what Hal could look like. I see this big. This big IBM computer and Hal's inside of there, plotting to do things with our brain cells.
2: <laughs> That's why I was so happy when World <laughs> Chess Champion Gary Kasparov was able to defeat Big Blue. Yes, yes,
0: exactly. because
2: I thought to myself, "I'm not too confident putting machines in charge. I like to make sure that I'm, you know, that, that the human control is there." too.
0: I can I can just imagine that big computer going, "I can't allow you to do that, Mike." No. I'm going to have to cut yes. your microphone
2: off. I was like, <laughs> well that was the movie, Colossus, the Forbin Project. <laughs> You're
0: creeping me out,
1: Smitty. You know what? <laughs> well, we're going to take a bio break here and come or no, not. No, 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 we're no. we're about ready to wrap yeah. up this one. But uh, you know what, these these folks, even Lassie, would be something that today I don't know if Lassie would carry an audience.
0: I don't know. It's, it's a sad it's a sad commentary because it it is very tame and it's yeah. something that was from a more gentle time period. Yeah. And, and this is a topic, again, that we could go on for hours, and we, we thank Steve for his email, and we just wanted to kind of revisit it a little bit and, and, uh, and talk about that. Before we leave you on today's episode, we also wanted to give you the results of the 2015 San Diego Press Club Awards, as you remember. We entered that again for the third year we were very pleased and very honored to receive a first place award for our twilight zone episode that we did we are with george here who participated in that uh, with mike and myself and we won second place for our interview with chuck cooper uh, our legendary san diego disc jockey on-air personality so we're very pleased and mike the third year in a row that we won an award two awards and so we're very very pleased with that
1: yeah it's becoming a thing we have got to put on our calendar every year i don't want to I don't want to blow it, but, you know, we'll be back next year. We don't know what we're going to enter, but we're really happy that the judges, and those judges are great, but you, the listeners, are the biggest judges to us, and you really make the difference, and you drive the content. So we're going to wrap this show up. We thank you so much for joining us for about the last half hour. You can catch, as I said earlier, all of the Galaxy Nostalgia Network shows by going to galaxymoonbeamnightsite.com and remember, it's S-I-T-E nightsite.com and click the button at the top right column and you'll just get a menu of, of all 180 plus shows. Uh, you can also email us, and we love the emails uh, they're as golden to us as the Facebook likes uh, email is galaxymoonbeamnightsite at gmail.com galaxymoonbeamnightsite at gmail.com uh, preferably you'll join us as a friend and like us on Facebook Facebook, same thing, go to Facebook, Galaxy Moonbeam Night Site, type it in, who knew you'll get to the Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight Facebook page and it's all good and, and see what the listeners are talking about and, and what the hot topics are. Anyway, we're right about at the very end of, can I do the Lassie thing real quick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i remember about last year i was not impressed anyway folks thanks so much uh G- galaxy moonbeam night sight i'm mike i'm smitty i'm george we'll be talking at you very soon right here galaxy moonbeam night sight on the galaxy nostalgia network
0: This is the Galaxy Nostalgia Network.